0: The idea behind this uh, kind of came out when we were doing research for the million-person study, where, like, like we talked about, you, you look at workers over a long period of time and their health outcomes. Well, in occupational studies, um, we often don't have a smoking equation. You know, most of the time when we're doing occupational studies, especially like the million-person study, we're doing those retrospectively. So we're kind of looking back workers and seeing what happened in the past and a lot of times smoking information is not collected or it's not available digitally or just you know the host of problems that come with doing data retrospectively Um, but what is typically used as a surrogate for tobacco use is socioeconomic status
1: you're
2: listening to further together the ORAU podcast Join Michael Holtz and his guests for conversations about all things ORAU. They'll talk about ORAU's storied history, our impact on an ever changing world, our innovative scientific and technical solutions for our customers, and our commitment to the communities where we do business. Welcome to Further Together, the ORAU Podcast.
1: Happy Wednesday, and welcome to another episode of Further Together, the OREU podcast. My name is Michael Holtz, and I am your host. Today, we are talking about research. OREU is a research enterprise, and as we learned in October, um, we have a lot going on in research. And One of the first people we get to talk to is Sarah Howard. Who has a master's of public health and is a Ph.D. student, and she also works for ORAU and ORISE. Sarah Howard, welcome to Further Together.
0: Thank you so much for having me. Glad to be here.
1: We're glad to have you. So, Sarah, tell me um, a little bit about what you do at ORISE and ORU, and how long you've been with the organization.
0: So, I've been with the organization since June of. Uh, 2017 as a paid employee but prior to that in that January I was an intern as okay. a part of yeah as a part of my uh, master's degree um, OREU let me do my internship with them and it rolled into a job um, which was really cool and I really liked what I did so just kept going
1: <laughs> <laughs> very cool so what specifically do you do
0: So I work in, uh, I guess, the epidemiology and exposure science group is, I guess, the group term. And most of what I do is epidemiology and data analysis. Uh, I work a lot on the million-person study with Ashley Golden and Betsy Ellis,
2: um,
0: analyzing data where we're we're trying to study a million U.S. workers and veterans and their low-dose radiation exposure. To see if they're, you know, what happens um, with disease outcomes and mortality. Um, but I also do some work with safety culture, doing their analyses. Um, I do I do a lot of different data analyses for different people, and kind of bounce okay. from project to project.
1: Awesome, um, and the million-person study is really important. It's a longitudinal study that, as you mentioned, um, looks at low-dose radiation in workers and and other folks, but over a long period of time. So how does that exposure impact health and health outcomes and disease states and all of those things? And you recently presented a paper um, on tobacco use and um, occupational radiation cohorts that won a prize. So this is really exciting. You won a scholar in training presentation award at the Radiation Research Society's annual meeting um, for the paper you did. So first of all, congratulations on the award. I understand it's a very prestigious award to receive from this um, August and very important group. So congratulations. Yeah, thank you. Um, Talk about the poster, it was, so this was a poster presentation, but talk about the research that you did that sort of went, that is behind this poster presentation.
0: Okay, so uh, like you said, yes, this was a poster presentation, and the idea behind this uh, kind of came out when we were doing research for the million-person study, where, like, like we talked about, you, you look at workers over a long period of time and their health outcomes? Well, in occupational studies, um, we often don't have a smoking information. You know, most of the time when we're doing occupational studies, especially like the million person study, we're doing those retrospectively. So we're kind of looking back at workers and seeing what happened in the past. And a lot of times smoking information is not collected or it's not available digitally or just you know, the host of problems that come with doing data retrospectively. Um, But what is typically used as a surrogate for tobacco use is socioeconomic status. Um, And and tobacco use, I guess I probably should start this, tobacco use is really important for these studies because it's an important confounder for health outcomes, particularly in things like lung cancer, right? And that's what uh, a lot of times is a big outcome for radiation studies is, is lung cancer. So not having tobacco information is, you know, kind of a problem, right? If you can't say anything about it. Um, So we use surrogates and kind of the issue with the surrogate is we use, uh, across occupational epidemiology, there's not really like a standard surrogate to use. Some use education level, some use pay category that they got from the site, some use job category. And so there's not this standard circuit. And what this poster was looking at was, okay, we know SES uh, socioeconomic status is tied to tobacco use based off um, other studies that have been done in like the general population. But as we know, like workers are different. Um, just on a very basic level, you, you've got the, the what's called the healthy worker effect where, you know, workers are just different, right? Um, sure. So we need to, so one of the things we were looking at was, can we take the relationship between socioeconomic status and tobacco use that's seen in the general population and is it still applicable to workers? And so that's kind of the basis of this study.
1: Okay. And what, um, what outcome, I guess, what did you discover in the process?
0: So what we kind of did is we... Or I took three different cohorts from uh, CEDAR, the Comprehensive Epidemiologic Data Resource, Mm -hmm. um, and that's publicly available data online. And these are previously published cohorts. Um, And so I took three different ones uh, from Lindsay Chemical Company, the Tennessee Eastman Corporation, and Hanford. And... These cohorts had tobacco information and they had a measure of SES. And so I started out by just seeing if there's any kind of association between them. And then if there was an association, we, we in the like high square analysis, we went on to um, a logistic regression, which kind of gave us an idea of how strong was that relationship. Um, and it's a it's a very early kind of dip into the toe of this research.
1: Okay sort of a, almost a signal to see if there's more to look at. Yes, yeah. You know what? Okay. Um, and as you said, I mean, considering tobacco use is important when you're looking at health outcomes, because, um, you know, we, we know, as we've known since, like, 1964, <laughs> about the impact of tobacco use on health. So um, it has to be a consideration when you're talking about, Um, radiation impacts and health, health effects overall. So um, it sounds really exciting. So what happens, what happens next in terms of this particular line of research?
0: So I guess what happens next is to look at this in more um, larger cohorts with better data. Um,
1: Okay.
0: One of the one of the things that we were really missing from this study is we didn't have a ton of people. It looked like a total of 1,500 people from all three cohorts, okay. which is a, a decent amount. Um, however, they were pretty much all males and uh, uh, mainly all white. So gotcha, gotcha. We're, we're, we're missing women. We're missing other other groups that need to be included. Yeah. And probably a little more later birth cohorts. Uh, we looked at year that people were born, uh, thinking that smoking patterns may change by when you were born.
2: Uh, okay. You know,
0: if you're born after nineteen, you know, in the nineteen seventies or later, you may be less likely to smoke because of you know the Surgeon General's warning and things that came out. Right. Uh, as opposed to early cohorts, and all three of these cohorts um, were pretty early. We categorize their both birth cohorts as you know being before 1900 up into about 1934, so still pretty early.
1: So pretty early, sure. Um, so later cohorts, um, women, <laughs> other ethnicities would certainly certainly be help beneficial. To your research, it sounds like. Um, yeah. But a, certainly an awesome starting point from from what it sounds like.
0: Yes. Yeah, it was a great place to start and just to see if we could see anything. Mm-hmm. And, and we did with education specifically in the Lindsay Chemical Company. Um, okay. We found that there was an association, especially comparing uh, people with like a graduate degree compared to those yeah. with um, less than a high school education. There was a difference in um, their socioeconomic status that was tied um, gotcha. with the tobacco use okay
1: which tends to make sense across the board so um so this is definitely more more research to come on this specific aspect and you are um, a phd student yourself so Sarah what is your? personal long-term plan? What do, you, what do you see yourself doing when you're Dr. Sarah Howard?
0: What I really want to do, I want to lead studies, be a PI, um, and, and do research. I love the occupational aspect. Um, I think those cohorts are really interesting, and the exposures, and going through, you know, so often the retrospective, and you talk about the history and all of that that goes into occupational exposures that is what I want to eventually do once I graduate. But my immediate plan is to uh, graduate. <laughs> <So>.
1: <laughs> One step at a time. right? Um, well, it sounds like you've found something you're very passionate about, which is always a good thing uh, in, in occupational health studies and uh, working with, I know you're working with some great people with Ashley and, and some of the other folks on that team. So um, it sounds sounds amazing. How did you sort of fall into? I mean, I know you have a master's of public health, right? So, how did you get to the whole public health slash science epidemiology, all of that? Because um, I've worked, I've worked with epidemiologists. At, you know, the local health department myself, and they're just amazing people. So I love to know how you got to, I guess the decision point of epidemiology is what I wanna do.
0: So I came pretty, I guess, late to epidemiology. This is not when I started as an undergraduate at uh, Tuscaloosa College. I didn't go in thinking I wanted to be an epidemiologist. I went in thinking, I really like science. I want to do something in science. And I was fortunate enough at Tusculum to have um, some professors who really were open to me asking questions about different fields and kind of feeling around the different areas of science to see what I liked, whether it was chemistry or epidemiology or pathology, just kind of exploring it. And when I went to graduate, I had had done some epidemiology had been incorporated in some of my courses. And I was like, you know, this is pretty fun. It's kind of like being a detective. It's solving problems and things I I really enjoyed. And I kind of applied on a whim to ETSU, you know, not knowing if I'd get in, just see what happens. And they accepted me and didn't really know what I was getting into totally. but once i got there i was like oh this is perfect i love this this is so fun and it just kind of snowballed from there
1: awesome that's great so but always have you always had an interest in science and and all of the i guess stem stuff that kind of comes before that
0: uh very much so i've i've always loved science um even from an early age both of my parents are math teachers uh, so, oh, okay. <laughs> so, yeah so they're they're very stem minded um i however did not like math until i got to <sighs> statistics in college then i was okay. like "Ooh, this is fun um and <laughs> now statistics is what i do for a living basically so um yeah i guess i was kind of always encouraged to to learn at the end of the day with parents being teachers and with them both being math teachers it just kind of
1: fit right I love it. That sounds awesome. So I'm not a math person either myself. So, um, but um, I find statistics interesting. I don't know how to get from (laughs) medians to mean and all of that stuff, but um, I'm glad there are people like you who do. (laughs) Well,
0: thanks. And and if you ask me any other kind of math, uh, you know, I may may not be my best subject, but I can at
1: least do the statistics, so. I love it. That's great. Um, Well, Sarah, um, I, that's all the questions I have for you, so um, thank you so much for, I know you're on campus today, so you're, (laughs) you've got a lot going on, but I want to thank you for taking the time to talk to me about your award-winning poster and the work that you're doing and just kind of how you got here. So thank you so much for your time.
0: Well, thank you so much for having me. This has been uh, a lot of fun.
2: Awesome. Great. Thanks, Sarah. Have a great rest of your day. Thank you. You too. Thank you for listening to Further Together, the ORAU podcast. To learn more about any of the topics discussed by our experts, visit www.orau.org. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn at O-R-A-U and on Instagram at ORAUTogether. If you like Further Together, the O-R-A-U podcast, we would appreciate you giving us a review on your favorite podcast platform. Your reviews will help more people find the podcast.